0: Hey, everybody, happy Tuesday, and welcome back to the Alex and Cam podcast. Believe it or not, we are on episode 12, and we are so excited to introduce to you Stephanie. She is one of the most beautiful and authentic people we have ever had the privilege of meeting, and I have a special connection with her after meeting her at work. She is sure to make you smile as she did with us, and we hope you guys enjoy this conversation just as much as we did. And without further ado, let's get started.
1: Hey everybody, how's it going? This is yes. Alex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate you so much
2: right now. I'm <laughs> so sorry. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll chill out. Are <laughs> you recording? Hey everybody, it's the Alex and Cam podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Cam. And you um, sound <laughs> like a little kitten. That was so weird. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna go ahead and warn you. We have tried to record this opening five times. Um, Problem is, Cam and I are super punch drunk, and then we just added the drinking aspect into the mix most of the
0: time. It's sip, but (laughs) we're just really tired, and somehow it's translating to being incredibly silly.
1: Excuse the giggles, but we are here to discuss a really awesome story, if, if you can call these things awesome, I guess.
0: Fun, exciting, thrilling well, no adjectives. Yes. Um, no, yeah. so we are here today. We are interviewing one of my favorite people in the whole world. Her name is Stephanie. Say hi. Hi everyone. <laughs> Stephanie!
2: Stephanie! Oh my God.
0: Um this is this is awesome. We have been doing interviews and it has been so fun. And Steph and I know each other from working at a hospital together. And we are here talking about Death together. Yeah.
1: From co-workers. Okay. <laughs> mm. Sorry for hot Sorry, breathing guys. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stuff. so the best Steph is like looking at us like we're those crazy kids in the Grocery store that won't fucking settle down. I, know. I
0: actually just saw one of those. <laughs> just, like just got off work and we're just over here like being obnoxious, but we'll be serious now. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, so obviously we are here to talk about grief and loss, and you have some interesting stories. I know that you have your own experience with a personal loss, and you have also. Um... <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: Explain that it's been a long day. I don't have tissue box. Remember the episode? No, we're not restarting. The episode where Cam handed me a dirty dish rag. I'm full circling it by throwing in. I didn't have a Kleenex box, so I just pulled out a roll of toilet paper. Very resourceful. I know it has not been used (laughs) for traditional reasons. For tears, yes. For tushes. <laughs> we are a train
0: wreck. <laughs> okay. It's just so I'm... funny because, like, I really want to, like, Steph has been through some, like, serious shit. And here I am trying to ask her about it with, like, tears rolling down my eyes with laughter. It should be the other kind of tears. Um. Anyway.
1: I haven't heard your story. Years. So I will jump in and <clears throat> act like an adult here. I would like to know what has happened in your life, what has brought you here to this conversation, and um, how you're dealing.
2: Um, So I guess I would start my senior year of college. Um, I was really close to my aunt growing up, and she was a nurse herself, so for her, she was uh, a champion, if you will, for really pushing me to go into nursing, and um, just felt kind of that drive to continue with it and follow that because of her. My, throughout college, we had kind of fallen apart from, uh, or fallen out of touch with her and my uncle. Like My senior year of college, I got this phone call from a distant cousin of ours, and she's like, oh, Aunt Mary Jo, she's in, she's in the ER right now, and they think that they don't know what's going on. And then I got another call from her, like, two hours later, and it was, oh, she has ovarian cancer. And I was oh like, God. oh, well, hmm. And I called my parents because I hadn't heard any of this from them and was just thinking, okay, what's going on, guys? And they're like, oh, she has stage 4 ovarian cancer. And I was like, oh, just thanks the for blue? the heads up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And um, she thought she was having a heart attack. And so she had gone to the emergency room at her work and came back. And that was her diagnosis. And when she was diagnosed, wow. she had an 80% chance that she would survive it. Okay. And so that was kind of the positive angle we spun on it and thought well she's going to overcome this and it's going to be in a rear view mirror and we'll all be kind of better because of this experience if you will and Mm -hmm. uh, she went ahead and um, went through chemo and then developed um, throughout chemo maybe three or four months into it um, ascites, which is a collection of fluid in the abdomen Mm -hmm. which is a complication Mm -hmm. of um, the ovarian cancer that they often have to drain, and it got to the point where they were draining full liter bottles nice. of liquid off of her, and so... So, like, was it just, like, a really fast progression? hmm So, she started chemo, and she was responding fairly positively to that, um, and then um, at one point, it turned... I remember visiting her in the hospital, and she just had a scan, and I was looking at her report, and had this kind of strange fascination with it, if you will, because I was learning about all this yeah. in school, and saw that she you know, that the prognosis wasn't good based on what the radiologist was giving her and kept that to myself on behalf of my family because my, my immediate family tends to be more of the uh, the warriors, if mm-hmm. you will. Just kind of looked at her and she nodded, kind of acknowledging that we both understood kind of the gravity of what was wow. going on. And uh, It's like a secret you're sharing with her almost. Yeah, almost, uh, which was kind of funny to think about it that way now. She passed away in February late February of the following year. So mm. what year was it? So she was diagnosed August, early September uh, 2012, and she mm-hmm. passed away in 2013 oh. within fast. six months. Yeah, so I remember that Christmas I had gone home to visit her and, you know, not knowing if it was the last time I would be able to see her and saying my goodbyes as if it really was the last time and kind of going back to school and trying to re- resume normal life if you yeah. can really call it that I think looking back it's probably the biggest loss that I'd consider I mean I've gone and after I graduated gone and you know visited her just to have conversations and mm-hmm. talked to her if she was there because she just always had that that insight but yeah in a nutshell that's that's my story morning glory
1: <laughs> mm, I'm glad you added that at the end <laughs> That was really great. <laughs> you guys were really close.
2: Yes. Yeah. So um, as a kid going, they lived just up um, kind of north of Seattle, and we okay. always go over to their house on Sundays and either have breakfast or just chat and mm-hmm. just kind of share life together. And it was me, both her and my uncle, and then their two daughters. Um, we all just were kind of close-knit. My brother and my folks and I just, great. the eight of yeah. us did things together so. Mm -hmm.
0: Was she like the first person that you've ever known close to you today? I I think
2: the closest person that I've had such strong memories with Mm. so I lost my grandfather when I was in sixth grade and I've lost my mom's dad about I think maybe six or seven years after that and then my mom's mom passed away my freshman year of college and so you know being grandparents those are definitely ones close to you, but I think in terms of not having a lot of family within the area growing mm-hmm. up, she was really it.
1: So before we dive into more questions, isn't it interesting that we associate like loss of grandparents as like a different loss? It's um,
0: it's almost like like less significant or something.
1: Which I know to some people isn't the case because yeah. maybe they were raised or raised, excuse me, by their but grandparents, a lot of
0: people but... kind of like They're like, oh, I lost my grandparent. But, you know, they were old. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Um, I think it's just the natural progression of life. Yeah. You know,
1: it's, I mean,
2: Mm -hmm. it's expected. Yeah.
1: My grandma just passed away over the summer and I Mm -hmm. got so many apologies at work. And Mm -hmm. I just experienced loss a year prior. But with my grandma, I was like, no, she lived a long, full life. Mm -hmm. And I found myself even being like, no, it's okay. But that's, I mean, it's not, it's not, but it, it just is different. It's so weird societally. Mm-hmm. What were like your early moments with grief? Like, how did it hit you? Did you kind of, cause a lot of people I find, I mean, we talk about it a lot, they mm-hmm. grieve completely differently. Some people mm-hmm. dive straight into work. Some people really feel it heavily, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your experience?
2: So I got the phone call that I knew she was she transitioned to hospice and my mom was actually with her throughout her hospice experience, so I was getting the phone calls that, um, you know, kind of the status of how she was doing, and um, I think in a way I look back and I'm thankful that I had school to kind of mm-hmm. take away from a lot of my focus and attention on it. I could be a waffle, if you will, and put it in its own mm-hmm. little box mm-hmm. rather than a full-on pancake, and um, <laughs>
1: I got the phone call that she... I feel like you need to write a dictionary. <laughs>
2: just might for your isms because they're good <laughs>
1: um
2: yeah but I got the phone call on a Thursday morning uh, that she had passed away and that was when full pancake hit and I <laughs> was just like wow she's mm-hmm. gone yeah. and I just kind of collapsed to the floor of my um bedroom and she was on the back side of I was living in the back side of the house and um I had class in 45 minutes, so I was like, okay, shit, I gotta like let this out and just be able to just resume life and be okay, yeah. so that when I leave here, I'm not flooded with like 62 questions of mm-hmm. why are you crying? Because yeah. I'm not a pretty crier, so I'm I'm <laughs> full and ugly when it comes to crying. Kim
1: Kardashian style. Mm-hmm. I've
2: actually never seen that, but I'll take your
1: word for it. Gonna pull up a picture while you're talking. Okay,
2: perfect. A <laughs> context. But, um, yeah, so then I went throughout my day, and I had um, grown close to a professor at school um, from just her vested interest in what I was studying and what we kind of formulated to go forward with um, in regards to history, but I had a class with her that afternoon, and I didn't even realize this, but I was actually shaking in her classroom, Mm. and she was sitting down the table for me because it was a co-professor, if you will, that taught
1: too. mm-hmm
2: Yeah. And um, she was not teaching. She was taking notes for the class, and she kept like leaning down, and I was just sitting there like paying attention and trying to focus on the class. But in my periphery, had this yeah head bobbing, yeah, I, and didn't quite understand it. And then I stopped by her office later on, and I was like, "Was I like exhibiting some sort of behavior that was concerning in yeah. the class?" And she was like, "You were shaking in class," and I thought wow I just had no no idea and then when I you know shared that my aunt had passed that morning she it all fell into place of you know Mm -hmm. just
0: kind of a subconscious reaction to her loss well we talk about like kind of how sometimes the physical body will know grief before like we do quite (laughs) awful
1: I just showed her the picture. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's really bad. I'll post it in show notes. Keep going. Serious topic. Go.
0: Um, no, but just, you know, um, we've had experiences. I don't know if you've had something similar where, like, you're feeling just, like, really weird. And you don't know why. And then you look at the calendar and it's, like, their birthday or something like that. And it's, like, your body remembers the grief sooner mm-hmm. than your mind does. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really interesting that you, like, you know... So that right away.
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's true. Like there's like science to prove it that your body handles grief, Mm -hmm. you know. And Mm -hmm. and so the certain shock that for sure comes about right away, Mm -hmm. you're keeping it together. Up Mm -hmm. here, you think you're great, but it's got to go somewhere. And so so, man, I don't know how you went to class.
2: Amen. Yeah, my professor later that afternoon, we were talking, and she's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I was like, well, I have to be at class, and I was totally that type of student that like, mm-hmm. didn't skip class just for
1: yeah, any whatever, yeah. and
2: I mean, looking back on it, it was totally just a wonderful thing the way it fell into place, because we actually had spring break the week later, and okay. so I was able to leave early, and I just was like, I'm leaving, and was able to come home and be That's at her good. service and
0: things like that, but...
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. so I'm um, just because I know you personally like I know how mm-hmm. she has affected you personally in your life which I am going to get back to later but um it's really interesting because I know that you've done work with Holocaust survivors mm-hmm. which I think is a really mm-hmm. interesting I'm sure you have like a lot to say about kind of your experience with that and um you know that's very much so dealing with death and grief and loss mm-hmm. a lot So, would you want to talk a little bit about kind of what you've done and your experiences with that? So,
2: long story short, um, eighth grade, I got an assignment from my history teacher, and she was telling me that you just need to pick a book, any book, and go and write a report on it or do a creative project, and I thought, well, I'm not going to do a report, I'm going to do a project, (laughs) sure, I'll go find a book, and I went to the bookstore and picked out one, and it said, A True Story of Love in the Time of War, Mm -hmm. and that wasn't its formal title, but... I just thought, wow, this has to be fairly innocent. Who doesn't love a love story? This is great. (laughs) And I started reading it, and I was just, like, overcome with this heaviness almost of just this woman basically pouring her heart out to people through her memoir and saying, you know, I fell in love with this man. And it was a forbidden love, if you will, because she was Jewish and he was a Christian and... Mm -hmm his house ended up being turned into a ghetto. And so he, she was taken to his house and they actually lived in community, if you will, for a while before Mm. she was then deported to the camps. And she went on to live her life and uh, came back through uh, Budapest later on in life at the request of her daughter. And she was sitting in this restaurant and she looks up and she sees this guy, the guy sitting across this bar from her. And they just sat talking all night, and they had both gone on to lead different lives, but it was their first love, and they just, you know, oh. got caught up in that. And so I just fell in love with her story, and really how, when the human spirit is so dampened by such grief and such mm. just darkness, how it can really overcome. And I think yeah. that was what I ultimately. I love that. <laughs> one
1: more time. Yeah. <laughs> For the people time. in the back.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I just really fell in love with her story and kind of got caught between reading old nursing textbooks with my aunts and then reading Holocaust the memoirs. So definitely had
0: an interesting
2: What was your connection
0: like with the Holocaust? Like why were you so drawn to it?
2: I think that book and as I was probably my first kind of entree into it mm-hmm. interestingly enough the more I got into it my mom actually told me that my grandmother <clears throat> uh, worked with Jewish Family Services so she was rep- oh responsible for like helping displaced people wow. who came to the United States kind of find housing wow. and things like
0: that so that's funny but yeah. like you had that personal connection to it all too mm-hmm. mm. yeah <laughs> those things that make us feel closer to yeah people
2: yeah, and then uh, throughout high school, um just kind of kept reading and consuming just knowledge about it and uh, kind of had this really strange fascination, if you will, because people were like, well, why would you want to just saturate yourself in something so dark? And I just said, but yes, in the darkness, there's something beautiful yeah. uh, that yeah. comes from it. And then in college, this particular professor who I got... Close to, I was the nerd that went to her and asked for more reading because between nursing and history, I didn't have enough. <laughs> and she just looked at me like, You're yeah, a sophomore. And I was, That's,
1: That's like,
2: awesome. Yeah. I some more books, please? Yeah. And um, I was like, Okay, well, I just want to be on the beach reading about Nazis, apparently. So yeah. <laughs> that was fine. And Keeping it classy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I went ahead and uh, started designing independent study courses with her and taking kind of every class my college had to offer about it. Uh, ended up graduating with a minor in European Studies but my final project if you will of my undergrad was um, I wrote a book with uh, my professor and we met with different survivors whether by phone interviews or by just compiling and taking their stories from memoirs that either of us have read. It was just kind of this joint project we put together it Was my gift, if you will, to the people that I had interviewed. And Did you give the books to them? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so the only one I haven't given to one person that I interviewed, he has a lot of reservations about sharing his story anyways because he's afraid of neo-Nazis that live in the Pacific Northwest and mm-hmm. even has me use a pseudonym and things like that to protect mm-hmm. his identity. But, yeah, it was amazing to see kind of the gift that... Something I considered so trivial in the face of all that they've endured that it really was an amazing way for them to feel like they were heard and yeah. their story was... Kept.
1: Yeah, that is really interesting. I mean, I... I read a—I actually had a similar, like, love mm-hmm. of World War II memoirs mm-hmm. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And—but at the time, you're in school and you're studying history, and it was the same way with, like, the civil rights movement. Like, mm-hmm. I just got, like, really into turmoil and, like, how people persevere mm-hmm. and how they find love and light through that. Mm-hmm. I haven't read any book like that since I've been an adult, and that's interesting to me because I think that I would appreciate hearing those stories now so much more. Yeah. Um, but it does break my heart a little bit that this was such a huge part of our history as a world, mm-hmm. not just a country, but as a world. Yes, you still learn it in history class, but other than that, it's not a regular conversation. Yeah. And my... Grandpa was a World War Two vet, mm-hmm. and it was like, my family, when he passed away, it's like, you know, they honor him, mm-hmm. but then the history's gone. Like, we don't get to hear that story anymore, and we didn't document his version of the war. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know, it's really interesting. Like, I think that what you're doing is beautiful, because it needs to live on, and... But it also breaks my heart, societally speaking, that, like, it's not... I felt like in some way growing up with those stories, same thing, like you kind of, obviously I didn't have a personal relationship with loss yet, but you kind of have this fascination with it that maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe in some way did make it a little bit easier for me to have this kind of conversation with people as opposed to holding it in or numbing it in some way. I don't know.
0: I don't know. It is funny, though, because I know what you're talking about when you say, like, people are like, why would you want to, like, study it? Why would you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. dive into it? It was such a terrible thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that kind of says a lot about, like, where society is with death in general. You know, it's it's frightening and it's gruesome and, you know, not all the time, but it's not something comfortable to talk about. And I remember talking to you personally at work and... Mm -hmm. You had some, something along the lines of those people's story doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Mm-hmm. And so by like, you know, talking to them and writing, and you know, feel free to interrupt me with mm-hmm. your own words, but that really stood out to me that, you know, it was kind of your way of honoring it, that mm-hmm. there's like shame almost, like surrounding mm-hmm. that, and sometimes surrounding death and grief too. Mm-hmm. And really like the importance of being heard and that like you're still crediting and valuing their experience of their life. I think that's,
2: yeah, no, I think that's very true. And I think Ellie Vizel said it best of recent quotes that I've come across. And he just said one, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, but he just said, you know, one who doesn't remember the dead just begs to not remember them at all. Yeah. And I think that that's so wow. true because, you know, on whatever micro or macro level they're a part of who we are right they all touch us differently but I think that there's a reason why that they're wanting to share their story and I think we owe it to them at least for them to be heard and to be heard
1: and to and to carry it on to carry on that message what do you think do you have like Uh, I don't know I'm trying to sorry I'm trying to like work through this as it's coming to mind but do you have like a theme that you see across survivors of the Holocaust that you like I don't know if it's like an attribute or like just a a overall feeling that they all kind of share or was each story I mean obviously each story is individual but was there just like an underlying message that you learned that you try to like live with to this day
2: I think the best thing that comes to mind is um, a term that kind of came organically out of interviewing and things like that, which was triumph of the human spirit. Oh. And it was seeing past basically all the, the pain and the suffering that they endured and seeing what they've done because oh, of it. Oh my god, I love this so much. So whether it's
1: mm.
2: like meeting with people, so there's a Holocaust center downtown and if you talk to some of them, a large part of the reason that they go and they share their stories is for that exact reason. They don't want it to just be part of history and something that happened in the past Yeah, and, you know, get swept under the rug or however right. you want to say it. But they want it to live on, to serve as an example against future injustices or, you know, however
0: it translates to where you're at in your your story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. I like. I mean, it kind of reminds me, and um, maybe I'm wrong, but did you find that like any of them kind of felt like they didn't want to be like necessarily defined by like the suffering and the pain, and instead, like you said, like wanted to be seen more of like you know the hope and like the way that they persevered through everything. Right. Like, do you did you find that at all? Yeah, for sure. It was. Certainly, those that define themselves
2: as "yes, I am a Holocaust survivor," mm-hmm. but others who separated themselves and said, "you know, it's not, it's not my identity, but it's part of my identity," mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them see themselves, you know, as Jewish people, mm-hmm. but they and recognize the Holocaust as part of their past, but they don't feel that, you know, surviving that experience encompasses all of them. It just was mm-hmm. a way and a part of what made them stronger and
1: who they are now how has that helped your grief process with your aunt <laughs> has it <laughs>
2: i don't know that it has yet um and it's interesting because i've never considered that i think i've i've had moments where it's really easy to kind of equate the two is just saying, wow, this just feels like so tremendous. And that certainly comes in waves of, mm-hmm. of feeling that, but I don't know that I've quite equated it in that way. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. I have a question for both of you. <laughs> I've <been. Shoot. laughs> It's about to get real. No. Okay. So you both work in the medical industry. Having experienced death, but working in an industry where you see some really fucked up stuff. <laughs> yes. I'm definitely the potty mouth of this. I
0: don't, I don't think I've cussed once. So sorry. it's not on tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: No, I'm just curious how that affects your work life. Is it like a separation? Does it contribute to your grief? Does it? Because I, I remember when I first met you, I was like, "Excuse me, you've just had this devastating loss, and you work where? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, and in what department? Like, yeah. I had like a, mm-hmm. I to this day, I'm like, hmm, I, I don't know if I could do what you do, mm-hmm. but then I also don't know because I don't, I haven't so, done
0: it. Like for me, there's definitely different aspects of it. You know, I think that. Well, first of all, Steph and I worked in the emergency department of a children's hospital. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I was trying to be like vague, but there's no way we, there's no way we can talk about this without. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I worked there when Dylan was sick, and I quit by the time he got into hospice, but. That time was more difficult for me. Oh, interesting. Um, when he was sick was more difficult. I was, like, very overwhelmed. And every time that I'd come into work, I was, like, very affected by all the kids I'd see, too. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt like like t- like I was, like, very, like, susceptible to just, like, all of, like, the energy and just, mm-hmm. like, all of the sick. And I was, like, really empathetic toward it all. I so, was, like, I'd take it all on. And I'd have, like, crazy anxiety when I was there. Mm-hmm. And so I came back, you know... I don't know. Less than a year later, and I like wasn't bothered that much there. And instead, it was like I was more desensitized and kind of felt more like, you know, I've seen some shit, so I can like help. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like more of like a duty almost. But I also mm-hmm. think I like turned it off a little bit too, because there were some kids who came in who had specific things I could relate with, like they were on hospice, Mm -hmm. and when they were on hospice, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't even deal with this, like, somebody else take it, like, Mm -hmm. I think I even asked you to do it one time, Mm -hmm. or a kid who had a brain tumor, and -hmm. they just found out for the first time, I wouldn't go into the room, Yeah. so there were definitely, like, different triggers, Yeah. but (laughs) as far as everything else, like, I think I got, like, kind of, like, more desensitized, and kind of more like, man, shit happens, like, kind of a little bit, like, (laughs) wrap around the edges of just, like, I don't know. Like, it's a weird thing that I know that a lot of medical staff deals with. I've talked to some nurses um, who we worked with who kind of said like, you know, when I told them kind of like what I had gone through and they had no idea, they're like, you know, that is just such a reminder of what the families deal with because we're so focused on just doing our job mm-hmm. that we often like, you know, disassociate from and not all the time, but you know, there's definitely, they're not, like, yeah. you know, they have a job to do and mm-hmm. they're trying to provide care and they're trying to, like, help and, mm-hmm. you know, treat kids who are incredibly sick and so there is a part of you that needs to turn off. You know, we see, like, really terrible things all like mm-hmm. throughout the day, especially this time of year and, um, I don't know, for me it changed, but I also came to a point where I know Steph and I have a very similar, (laughs) very similar experiences in this, but, um, and I talked about a little bit before, like I had wanted to be a nurse for as long as I can remember. And I started working in a hospice when I was 17, like knew I wanted to be a nurse, never really happened, like never actually graduated, just was like in and out of nursing school forever, but always thought that was my path. And then, um, you know, once he died and it became even more clear as I worked at children's again, that. I think that that part of me has left. Like, I think that I, like, fulfilled that need Mm -hmm. for now. you have things to add for yourself?
2: (laughs) Um, I think mine is similar and yet different. I, um, in high school, was having uh, knee surgery, and at the time... My youth pastor told me, he's like, hey, I'll come pray with you before your surgery, and I was super anxious because I played sports really hard, so okay. this wasn't an <laughs> uncommon practice for me. Yeah. I was outside children's, just like, you know, basically going through it and um, getting ready to go back, and he never showed, and I thought, oh, that's really odd. And at the time, his wife was pregnant, and he had a young toddler, and I just thought, oh my goodness, like, something's happened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what, but that gut feeling you get if something's wrong. And mm-hmm. I went back into surgery and then was there for a few days afterwards. And I um, got this text from him when I got out of surgery that said, we were here all night in the emergency department because our son's, You know, they're trying to figure out whether it's a viral infection or whether it's cancer. Mm. And it ended up being cancer. And he passed away three years later. Wow. No, I'm sorry. He passed away a year later. And I just thought, wow. And I had a teacher in high school who told me, he's like, you get really, really, like, you feel very deeply for people. Mm -hmm. And I, he was using it more as a caution than he was an actual, like, good job, you feel really deeply (laughs) for people. And I thought, okay. And so I kind of tried to take a step back and do some self-evaluation and think to myself, do I really feel too deeply for people? Mm. I said, no. Good (laughs) Good for you! (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
2: With a few other choice (laughs) choice words. And uh, then um, got down the nursing path too and really felt like, you know, that was part of why I went into it originally was a nurse that talked about her work with him. And I just think that kind of seeing their experience and kind of walking with them at a distance from what they were going through gives you some insight into, you know, in the aftermath Mm -hmm. of it, really what is,
0: what is it like? Like, And I think that compassion almost. Oh, Mm. absolutely. Especially like at like, you know, you get like a lot of angry parents And I think you're kind of like, okay, it's absolutely not personal, like, Mm -hmm. being on the other side of it, you, like, realize that Mm -hmm. it's really stressful to be in that emergency room, and... Yeah, that's Mm -hmm.
2: for sure. Gives you a different, different window into...
0: But, like, your, so your aunt was a nurse, I know that she was, like, a driving force for you to continue nursing. I don't know, I know that (laughs) we've talked a little bit just about, like, how you've kind of felt her help direct you Mm -hmm. a little bit in life, and you want to talk about
2: that all? I always think yeah, no, interesting. After, so after I graduated, I had a very roundabout way to get back to kind of where I am. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm going to be a nurse. It's going to be grand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to buy some cool scraps and like just ready to go yeah. for it. And um, a few different things happened and prevented me from doing that right out of the shoot. I ended up uh, pursuing the history and Holocaust side of things and lived abroad for a long time and came back home and because nursing was kind of the logical step and kind of what everyone else can see is the a plus b equals c like yeah that's what she's gonna do and I think for a long time it was stepping away from really what was dictated versus what is it that my heart and my spirit is telling me to go towards had a lot of I know we've talked about this before but just conversations with her even about like I don't really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do anymore Mm -hmm. like is this really shut am I meant to go pursue something else and Mm -hmm. I think a large part of what's led me to where I'm at even now is just kind of feeling more of a you know we'll cross that finish line we'll get there and you can really do this because this is what what you're meant to do or what Mm -hmm. you know at least the next hurdle and
1: yeah moving forward yeah Maybe for, maybe for this chapter and who knows what's next but for mm-hmm. now that makes sense yeah.
0: mm-hmm. you know what's interesting though is um, like I haven't known a lot of people who have died obviously
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah. but like we've talked about you know there's like dreams you have where it literally feels like you're with the person who died
1: mm-hmm.
0: like Steph has had them too and like mm-hmm. I just think it's like so interesting that like
1: jealous but, you had a couple? <laughs> like Debbie Downer yeah like two weeks after. Yeah. And then, like, one... I had one random one a while ago, but yeah. I don't have that many. Mm-hmm. So I know, but
0: it's weird because I haven't had, like, a lot. Like, after he died, I had quite a few, but it's kind of, like, inspiring to me to know that With that other seems people, to be, like, a yeah. common theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I've heard it from other women, too, especially online, you know, like, in that Hot Young Widows Club. <laughs> um, but... I don't know, like, I know I've talked to you at work and stuff just about, like, having a dream where it's, like, you literally feel, like, that physical Mm -hmm. presence. Like, I was, like, literally just with you. That's Mm -hmm. so crazy. Um, And even over Christmas time, like, I felt like I felt Dill around me, like, in the kitchen as I was, like, watching Little Dill play. I don't know. Have you guys ever felt, like, that physical presence of them being around Mm -hmm. like that? You have? Mm-hmm. You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think mine was,
2: um, we always spent summers up around 4th of July up at Lopez Island. And
1: I, um, I love Lopez.
2: Do I do too. It's great for all these bikes you have around I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to interrupt and give a little like preview. <laughs> we are recording in my kitchen right now. And I happen to rent from my stepdad. And he is a avid bike collector and fixer and connoisseur and so there's these like crazy vintage bikes like prize winning bikes from like the 1940s hanging on the wall so that's my joke now is that i'm absolutely the one (laughs) fixing these bikes up it's been the new hobby since bernie proceed (laughs) Lopez bike riding. <laughs> Lopez bike riding.
2: Um, but my aunt and uncle owned property up there, so we'd always go and, like, camp out. And my brother and I used to think it was the coolest thing since sliced bread. I mean, we don't have to shower. We can, like, just oh go and, like, just get dirty. And yes. we thought it was awesome. And my aunt would always, like, her and I would have, like, special things we'd do together. So I'm I love books. And so there was always a library sale mm. when we'd be the old grandmas in the <laughs> library, like with our bucket with money, <laughs> and go and like fill a bag of books and come back and we wouldn't even read all of the books, but at least we had our badge of books that, yeah. you know, we had gotten. And I remember the dream I had, we were down on the beach and we were clamming and she came over and I was playing the guitar, which I didn't pick up until after she passed away. And I was just, yeah, it was super weird. That's a cool detail. And I was sitting on the, this huge rock that was right below their property. And she just came over and she's like, Hey, do you want to help me? And I was like, yeah. And it's that really tangible feeling of like, you can hear the way they sound. Mm. And she had this really, really, um, kind of ragged, um, we called it her beach sweatshirt Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know she was wearing it on the beach, and it was just those tangible pieces yeah. of them that you mm-hmm. just associate with that memory. And I just woke up feeling like, oh god, I just want to go back to sleep and just uh, yeah, live more time for with a them. while. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, what will we do next?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I've only had a couple of dreams, but I had, I mean, that feeling for sure. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because I've only had a couple, so I like extra feel anxious that I need to get back to sleep and like need to finish this conversation with him. But I had a really good one. Ooh, I don't know. It was a while ago. But he, I hadn't dreamt of him. And I was feeling really anxious about it and really sad about it. And Deepak Chopra was on the help desk, which is a, I'll, it's a show. I'll link to the, to the show notes. But he had a woman who was grieving the loss of her daughter or son. I can't remember. A child. And she was like, I haven't been able to dream. And everyone keeps talking about Mm -hmm. how they've been having dreams, and I haven't been able to have the dreams. And he said that you have to essentially start, one, stop thinking about it so much, like stop putting pressure on the dreams, but two, also start thinking of fond memories and just like constantly make sure that you're holding those, exactly, those positive moments in your heart and the dreams will come. And so... I had just been talking to my mom about how I hadn't had any dreams, and this literally, her TV was on mute, and she unmutes it, and this is what was in front of me. It was this Deepak conversation. Really? It was really crazy timing. And so then, very shortly after, I had a dream, and Bernie was in it, and he was he, he was just like, hey, I'm, I'm back. And I was like, well, oh what are God. you and i was yeah, like I, I was like what are you doing here and he was like i haven't told anybody i want to talk to you don't oh, tell anyone my God, goodness. and yeah. i was like i was like well but what do you mean i can't tell anybody like this is so great and I, but like in it i was aware he was gone right mm-hmm. uh-huh. and he was like just go and take care of what you need to take care of and like the dream was like this crazy whirlwind of i was super busy that day or something and then there was like some random earthquake or something i don't know weird dream But at the very end of it, I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad. I've been so busy today. We haven't had a chance to talk. What did you want to tell me? And he said, no, you go and take care of what you need to take care of. I'll talk to you when you have a moment. And I have not had a follow-up dream since. And so I woke up that morning like, wait, what did you want to tell me? I'm waiting for that message. And so who knows if I'll ever have that escalated into another grief bomb for me. That was a really hard time because I was like, I didn't, his was so sudden that it was like, I didn't get a lot of closure, you know, he wasn't supposed to die quick. I mean, no one's supposed Mm -hmm. to die like that, but like, I just, I don't know. I was like, what is he trying, what's he trying to tell me? And who knows? I mean, maybe in some ways other signs have been shown, but Mm -hmm. that dream was a gnarly one. I definitely can resonate with that Mm -hmm. sense of like, wait, I'm not done with this dream. Mm -hmm. Uh. the one I had was
0: like um we were all sitting on well Dill was sitting on our couch that we have now and I mm-hmm. remember the babe and I were sitting on his lap and we were all like hugging each other crying because mm-hmm. I knew that he was dead in the dream mm-hmm. as well I like knew he was gone so I was like why are you here like you're in my living room on my couch and we were all like hugging each other and we were all crying and we were just like I miss you so much and then mm-hmm. I woke up just being like
1: That's nice, though.
0: It was, but it was, like, I remember, like, I woke up, and I could, like, literally physically feel Mm -hmm. what it was like to hug him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, early on, I know, I feel like we're getting really off topic, (laughs) (laughs) but I saw a psychic, like, (laughs) I'm just going to keep going with this. (laughs) I saw a psychic, like, I don't know, a few months after he died, and um, I was having a lot of dreams about him at this point, and they were like that, like, physical dreams I could remember, like, feeling being around him. Um, and they were, like, little, like, cuddling in bed. Like, it was so weird. Like, holding hands. But I would, like, wake up, like, feeling like I was holding his hand. The psychic was like, have you been having, like, really vivid, like, physical okay. memory dreams with him? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, he was, like, saying that, like, he, like, found out how to get to you there.
1: Whoa. Know. So it was cool.
0: really, yeah, it was really cool. But, you uh. know. <laughs> I haven't had any a long time. But...
1: Mm. I wanted to ask, we talk a lot about honor your love. That's like one of our, that's like our mission. Hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> she did the hashtag hand motion. <laughs> Wrap up. No. Um, so how, what do you think, in honoring your aunt, hmm. what do you think... I'm not gonna go too
2: heavy. Actually, no, no, I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna, gonna fine, sidestep because I'm giggling, at like a, a memory that has turned into a practice. So you continue. Okay,
1: so all I was gonna say is, like, what's a fond memory mm-hmm. actually that like makes you honor her? Hmm. Like, what what moment did she? I mean, obviously she's affected you, mm-hmm. but like, what stays with you and kind of drives who you are?
2: Mm-hmm. When I was a kiddo, I. Woke up. I was staying at her house um for the weekend, and my brother wasn't with me. And I thought, wow, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread to have two sisters for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night and just was feeling super super sick. And they had a huge sectional, like really eighties looking sectional that they rocked out in their living room. And I thought, I'm just gonna go and like sit on the sectional and just try and just sit there and just, you know, yeah, see if I can feel better and she came out and she was like are you okay and I was just like I just don't feel very good and she just sat with me all night and just Mm -hmm. held me and the one the part I was laughing about was my probably most tangible piece of that memory was She brought me kick cereal, which until that moment, I had never had in my life before.
1: That's a tragedy (laughs) in and of itself.
2: Well, I was a grape (laughs)
0: nutstress, do it that way she will.
2: (laughs) And uh, she sat with me and just kind of listened to what I had to say, and it turned out to not even be any more about, oh, my stomach hurts or my head hurts Mm -hmm. or whatever it was, but just, you know... What is it that your hopes and dreams are and that mm. type of thing? Wow, and just yeah. really seeking, you know, what is your, what are you being led to do? And mm-hmm. I've kind of adopted as a practice. Some days it's Ben and Jerry's, but most of the time it's Kix. <laughs> <laughs> or wine, you I know, like, really, whatever. Do you
1: mix oh the guys.
2: two? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Um, <laughs> um, but I'll sit and I'll have a bowl of kicks and just sit, I mean, to normal to the people who are passers-by, they would look and be like, what is this crazy thing yeah. i doing? But I'm just sitting and chatting with her. and I love that. I think in a way it's been, not that I hear, not that I hear anything, you know, or see anything that I say, oh, well, that's her or whatever. Yeah. It's my way of kind of coping with the loss, but also continuing to talk to her, like, you know, about things like pursuing nursing or pursuing just my hopes and dreams and things that I don't think that make sense
0: totally to the boxes that other people have is, you know. I think it's, like, keeping, you know, your heart open to, like, and receptive to those things and to her, Mm -hmm. you know, just by like, consciously sitting down and having that practice. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't have... <laughs> like I aspire yeah. to to be like you. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though, that's awesome. We have kick states. am Not Michael Jordan kicks, but like No,
1: I know what you're talking about. The delicious cereal kicks. 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 That was my favorite. That was my favorite cereal. Oh, she sounded like she was quite the mentor to you. She was. I honestly this is I don't know. Maybe this is, like, a weird thing to say, but I, honestly, in my life, have never realized that, like, until we have this conversation <laughs> I'm that my aunts are going to die. Like, my extended family. Like, mm-hmm. my grandparents, like, like I said earlier, they lived full, wonderful lives. My grandma's... One of my grandmas is still alive. But, like, my mom's... And my dad's sisters and brothers, that just, like, switched something in my head of, like, I want to sit down with each one of them and, like, have conversations and have meals. And I grew up in Seattle, and they're all in Utah. So, like, Mm -hmm. I didn't get... When I was a kid, I remember coming over to their houses to hang out with my cousins, for Mm -hmm. sure. But I didn't grow up with them. And just on my road trip, I got to, like, sit down and have conversation with a couple of my aunts. But... One-on-ones was never really a thing, and that just sent me into a little bit of a panic of like, "Yeah, that's time I'm losing that's with people who have that. really beautiful stories that mm. I just haven't heard yet." Like,
0: am I even exaggerating? Like, this was that was a huge driving force for me to move because mm. my mom has um, eight brothers and sisters, and She was, like, a really close-knit family, and I feel like I know them really well, even though I only see them, like, once or twice a year, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but, you know, part of me was really craving that sort of relationship aspect to life and, like, realizing, too, like, it clicked for me Mm -hmm. a few months ago of being, like, God, I want to know these people, Mm -hmm. and when Jill died, it, like, really switched a flip for me... (laughs) Like, just spiraling.
1: Did you just say flip to switch and know. then switch to flip? Switch to flip. I have no back. Idea. back to <laughs> back. Cheers. Back to back. That was so good. In one sentence, <laughs> it was flip to switch and in the next. Beautiful. <laughs> kind of thought it better myself. Flipped a- up. <laughs> what <are you> <laughs> I what oh,
0: I I sorry. did so I say? I not Oh, sorry.
1: Did I make any sense at all? I mean, yeah, you just were dyslexic <laughs> for a hot second. <laughs> Death shaking her head. No, i Should I like just stop talking? No, no keep I going. want you to keep going. It was just Shit, funny. Hey, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> See I,
0: what? I always make like the biggest fool of myself on every episode. I feel like. No way. <laughs> um, but I really switched to flip a flip a switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, it did something. <laughs> it did something to me. Um, <laughs> no, where so I. <laughs> so funny. But when Jill died, I was like, it kind of spirals, and you're like, Mm -hmm. you realize, like, my mom and my dad are going to die, and then that kind of spiraled into, like, oh my goodness, yes. Whoa, you both just had this, like, crazy physical reaction to me Mm -hmm. saying that. But it did, and then it made me, like, realize that, and I kind of was dealing with that for a while, and then it was, like yeah but they have brothers and sisters and i have this opportunity to go and get to know them right and have dinner with them like whenever i want yeah and create these relationships before it's too late you know Mm -hmm. and before not even too late but just when they're you know to a point where i can't really go and do things with them anymore like Mm -hmm. physically or you know have conversations with them in the sense i want and get to know them as people and um you know i remember when your grandma died you talk to me a lot about feeling like, oh, not like regret, but just kind of like wishing that you knew more of her story and her life yeah. and spending mm. time with her. Yeah. And so now I kind of feel like I've been blessed with like seeing, oh my God, life is short. I really, 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 I have a great relationship with both my parents, but I really want to know them as people. Like yeah. I really want to know my aunts which, and uncles as people. Which like, I would
1: say like when, when Bernie passed away, I definitely have had that thought with my, with my sister and my parents that I have severe Please. moments of. <laughs> this is a really inappropriate time to laugh. <laughs> just kidding. It really is. I
2: just say. Were you gonna say I, mean, Go I was gonna
1: flip the switch? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've had severe moments of anxiety with my with my sister in particular, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know this. And this, if she listens to this episode. <laughs> Gabriella, she just burped when I said she... <laughs> Honestly, it was like
0: a fart in my mouth.
1: Ew. What? I like, I don't know that's just... not becoming a young <laughs> woman. A <laughs> little manners and decorum, please. Both of their faces right now were like utterly disgusting. I'm so I glad that. <laughs> I just said you burped. <laughs> but you took it there. You went there. I'm gonna go. Oh god. So, OK, but the thing like, is no I'm of <laughs> <laughs> My sister is a really big burper, so maybe that was like a <laughs> was funny, like so an, an ode to Gabby. but I haven't told her this, but I've had like very real moments of feeling like <sighs> I would lose my mind if any of those three people... Mm-hmm. I know that it's gonna happen someday I know it's a reality of life like this is something that I know it's a fact and like I've experienced loss now so there's there's no avoiding it that's the one thing yeah. you can't avoid but mm-hmm. but that has given me severe anxiety I I have also talked to you about wanting to know family members more and when my grandma passed away sitting at I spoke at her funeral. (laughs) Do you need to cough? (laughs) No. I spoke at her funeral, and then I sat down and listened to her sisters, all beautiful, like, women in their 80s, talk about when she was, like, my age or younger. And it was like, whoa, this woman was kind of sassy before she knew my grandpa. Like, she sounded kind of rad. And so then it got me thinking, like, that's right. There is this whole history, which kind of goes back to what mm-hmm. you, you know, with, with Holocaust survivors, mm-hmm. you get to hear those stories. But you don't okay. think about it with our own no, relatives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I just, like, excluded my my aunts and uncles.
0: Yeah.
1: But those are definitely stories I want to hear. And I know, I know versions of them through my mom, but that's not my personal yeah. relationship. Okay. It's mm-hmm. a weird... Um, Weird thing. I don't know. You had something no, you were going to say. It was <laughs> my aha
2: moment. Was um, So I recently met with my parents, financial planners, with them. They're mm-hmm. like, well, you need to just sit down with us. And I was like, oh, shit. This yeah. is great. But it was one of those things where it was like, so you're projected to live until this date. And you're projected to live oh, until that date by each of my parents. And I'm sitting there like... No, you have Ooh. to live forever, and I'm definitely super close to my parents, and so it was like a... Don't put an expiration date like on my fairness. parents. But yeah, Yeah. And I think it was, also in my mind, like, I've always kind of had this tear, if you will, of like, oh, well, it's the grandparents, and then the aunts and uncles, and then the cousins, and, like, that's just the natural progression of yeah. it. But when you look at it, and it's, like, picked All from other. different places than yeah. you intended, you're like, crap, like, this is... This is fleeting, and this is... This is fleeting.
0: Just fleeting. Yeah. Such a moment. Just such a moment. Yeah.
2: So true. Well,
0: I think um, when Dill was in hospice, and it was like... (laughs) I could have a whole conversation about that. It was the most difficult thing I have ever done in my life. The physical and the emotional caretaking of it. Like, it was full-on crazy. Like, so, so hard. And he originally didn't want to be in home hospice, but Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to like burden anybody with this whole thing, Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to haunt a house. Really, was what it was. Is what he said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, whatever. I'll move out of the house. It's fine. Like you're coming home. And my parents were there, like in town. They weren't with us in our house. Mm -hmm. His mom and I were, but they were like in the area to help with little Dill, and. They kind of knew how hard it was, but they really didn't understand. And I just told them I had this like moment then when I went through that and I think that was like the most difficult situation. Like mm-hmm. just the brain cancer was so crazy. Um physically where I just had this moment of being like that is like the very fucking least I could do for anyone. Hmm. Like is take care of them when they're dying. They're dying like that is like the least thing I could do and I had this moment of like picturing in my head my parents dying which is crazy I never would have if I hadn't gone through this experience Mm -hmm. being like I don't care where I am and what I'm doing and where I'm living like I will come and I will come to your house you can come to mine like I'll take care of you in your last days because I was like I just felt like that was like the least thing i could do like and it just totally changed my like aspect on like like relationships and how i view them and kind of it's kind of weird to say but like kind of like i want to get to know my family in preparation for that time Mm -hmm. knowing that when they die i tried yeah i did the best i could yeah you know having
1: that relationship i guess Mm -hmm. i have two thoughts so (laughs) the first is that's that Quote from Steel Magnolias, where oh, she yeah. says, paraphrasing. What is that mm-hmm. maybe To, oh, you haven't seen Steel Magnolias? No, I Just found out what we're doing tonight. <laughs> Steel
0: Magnolias
2: and pizza
1: really? and pizza and more. I would love to,
2: but
1: I have to go on <laughs> my dad's birthday. Well, that's right, an uplifting event. Point. But she says <laughs> that essentially the greatest honor is, bringing, is being with someone as they come into this world and mm-hmm. as they leave the world.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I mm-hmm. 100% believe that watching mm-hmm. Bernie take his last breath, it was like a spiritual experience in my life yeah. to be able to say that I was with him as he left the world. Mm-hmm. I already lost the second thought.
2: But I think that that's very true uh, to contrast that a little bit. So I worked in labor and delivery for three oh, years, yeah. and I think that it was a high risk OB unit. So it's very similar to kind of what we, Kim and I, did while we were at Children's. But it was a very, you know, that contrast of you're with people in such the best what should be the best day in their lives and for some people it really was and for some people it it wasn't
1: Mm -hmm. like there
2: was even the loss of your child after you've just given birth Mm -hmm. to them and I think that that's absolutely true is there's this really beautiful part in taking taking some sort of role in that Mm -hmm. whatever capacity it is
0: but well kind of goes back to like lessons and um I feel like it is kind of a blessing to experience death at a young age because absolutely yeah you know like I kind of feel like I am given like that message very clearly that relationships are probably like the most important thing mm-hmm. like when you really like simmer it down to like the most simple like ingredients of life wow that was like that was off the top of my head did you just see like that was great guys
1: and um, I think she thinks it's like really <laughs> I feel like
0: that legally blonde mama I was like snaps for Kim <laughs> wasn't that profound <laughs> okay thanks um, <laughs> i pieced a sentence together flip <laughs> the to switch i switched the flip um <laughs> no i know what you mean yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah but like um that you know a common theme too between people that we've talked to who've lost somebody is like <laughs> it's like about kindness and relationships and mm. telling people how you feel and experiences
1: oh, i was thinking about this earlier experiences as opposed to like materials like yeah. society, mm-hmm. like as a society, we put so much focus on the stuff we have as opposed to like the moments we have. Mm-hmm. I remembered my second thing. Do you have more to add? Because no, I go for it. before my brain loses it. <laughs> no, just, I, just simmer it. When you were talking about <laughs> just simmer it, just a simmer. For some reason, I have like this picture of green beans. On. <laughs> like, I just show. found out I was allergic to those. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's really sad. I um. <laughs> anyway no um when you were talking about your parents if anything ever happens like I'll be there please let me be there I thought back to and same thing when you were Mm -hmm. talking about being there for financial planning with your parents I thought about Diana when she was talking earlier she was saying or in an earlier episode guys she was talking about how her parents, Marie said the same thing in her episode, where her parents had given like guidelines for what what they wanted after. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also really important to have these conversations now because I know in my family, and it's been my mom's biggest fear, Alzheimer's runs in the family. Mm -hmm. And she's always been like, if that happens to me, just take me up to Alaska and put me on an iceberg and just let me wave you goodbye. And I'm like, I get what you're saying. You don't want to have to have people dealing with that Mm -hmm. but these are conversations that need to be had both pre and post I mean death obviously is coming but sometimes it comes accidentally and unexpectedly but for those situations where it is a genetic thing or it is like a long oh you know a prolonged not prolonged I always fucking Mm -hmm. say that and I don't mean that and you know a longer illness you have that time to kind of prepare and discuss like how this person wants to leave the world and we always talk about walking each other home and it's like how can i make sure that you get home in the way you want to go there well it's
0: like you know diana said in her earlier episode um she said that's like the biggest gift that she was given was knowing like it gives the person who is who's still here and who is taking responsibility and grieving after it's a clear guideline yeah you know but it's like people almost think that It's, like, not a conversation to have. Like, it's too serious, but...
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: But I think by going through that, too, like, it gives you a different type or different level of empathy to really... Like, you guys have said before, like, normalizing it as best as you can, but also just opening that discussion and having that and just being really honest and having had something similar, like, thrown out on the table in my own personal circumstances it's just it makes it a little bit more finite and you really realize wow but you have that empathy to understand really the beauty that comes from those experiences Mm too
1: totally so in all of our interviews we've been asking our guests what is there anything you'd like to share with the audience so this is group of people who are either grieving or people who aren't but are watching someone grieve? Is there maybe a lesson or a piece of advice or just like a theme that you'd want to leave with our listeners from your own experience, something that stands out?
2: I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is both from work with Holocaust survivors as well as just my aunt and I know we've touched on this earlier, but is just really being willing to honor their stories. And oddly enough, that was the title that I gave to the book in college. Oh, cool. What was it? Honoring Their Stories. Mm -hmm. And it was...
0: You're like our slow sister. Yeah, (laughs) you are.
2: (laughs) But just really, what can I do to give that person the the audience that they need? I mean, I'm a single person, but what is it that I can do whatever it is on any level? Because we all experience things differently, and I think we all kind of maximize mm-hmm. whatever we're focusing on and i think just being willing to to be present and yeah. have that just be maybe your first gift of your presence to someone and say yeah, how can so i listen to you and be present for you and then from yeah. that really what can i do you know i think it's a gift to be given someone's story and i think that what you do with it is really Mm. the way that
1: you honor that person so good oh good so good yeah taking the all in do we want to do grief bombs yeah i mean or do you have something else you want to ask
0: no i mean all i want to say is like no that's your lesson just because i know you personally like you do a great job of that. <laughs> like, seriously, like, if that is your motivation in life, like, you have been such a good friend. And I know that you're like that with, like, everyone you meet to, though. Like, you're just... You are so present. And I definitely, like, look up to you in that sense. And being able to come here, like, with us and share. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like there's, like, so much that you said where it's, like, I wish... Like, I had the words to say what you said because I relate so much I feel that. like
1: I've learned a lot from yeah. you. And just in my own grief process. Just... Mm-hmm hearing from your experience on both sides of the spectrum like your own personal experience as well as um learning people's stories like I just I feel like I'm taking away a lot more than when this interview started and I really appreciate that yeah, sincerely well, thanks,
0: for, thanks for letting me chat with you and then just like one more note um <laughs> Because it's just, like... We're girl well, crushing. Like, yeah. yeah. So you say, like, about the honor in your story thing. It's something that Alex and I have struggled with individually about mm-hmm. feeling, like, kind of, do we have the right to share our story? Like, do we have the, like... Kind of, like, thing like, you have to drop it. Like, it can't define you. And just, like, thank you as somebody on the outside to kind of, like, give us permission to, like, be like, dang, girl, this is your story. Like, yeah. own it. Yeah. Own it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I know... I haven't really thought of this since mm-hmm. it happened, but right after Bernie passed away... I was I mentioned in just the girlfriend episode that I was asked to speak at the funeral and then they asked me not to. But not that sounds really messed up no matter how I try to spin it. They did what they needed to do and I was I was hurt by it, but I got over it very quickly. And but I remember one of his best friends who he thought of like a sister, she said to me, It's important for you to speak about this because no one know excuse me, no one knows your version of him. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're basically telling us. Like we mm-hmm. have to honor these people and our versions of them too. Like mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. gonna have a different version of yeah, of you know, a person. And so thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Thanks for thank reminding you. me of that. Should we do some grief
0: bums? Let's do it. Okay, so every every episode we have grief bums. So it's something that um, has come up in the past week or two, where it just sparked <laughs> like some sort
1: of. Yours is way better than me. <laughs> uh, it, so it's no, you're doing great. You're actually doing phenomenal. But it's a it's a moment, either a happy moment or a sad moment, like uh, you know, just a memory, whatever, what have you. But it's a moment that has reminded you of your own grief story, and it's in recent history. Maybe it's not. An immediate week, we like to do one once a week because we're here once a week. But, um, so if you have anything you'd like to share, I'm totally ready. I'm only totally ready because Cam reminded me of one. I made them pause before the episode so I could think of one. And then I completely hijacked it and pressed record the second I'd come up with mine. So, I have officially gone on a date, guys. (laughs) This is big news. We have... Had a whole episode on dating, and maybe we'll have a follow-up to go into this and a little bit. It was, like, bit.
0: literally just me talking the entire time. Because I was just, And Alex grilling me.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that's the, the position I'm comfortable with with. <laughs> Light shining on someone else. But um, I have finally gone on a date, and I didn't realize it was a date until it was happening. And then I didn't realize that it was more than a date until I was sitting on his couch making out with him. So... It's a lot of information. I was what
0: cannabis is right now. was a lot of information,
1: <laughs> but I needed to give you those details so that I could say, my grief bomb happened actually, like, on that couch, realizing that I am not – I'm in a place where, because I've dealt with what I've dealt with and I have loved who I've loved, I'm in a place now where I'm not interested in the childish – boyish (laughs) games that can come to play with dating and so it was a really weird moment to be like yes i finally like checked that (laughs) date off of the list i finally Mm -hmm. had that i finally kissed somebody but i i am not interested in the game playing I'm a woman who has seen a lot and been through a lot and that's not to say I'm putting pressure on anybody anybody by any means but it was a really cool moment of realizing my worth and the amount of growth that I've been through and I'm still doing and um, recognizing that everyone's kind of like going through their own stories or moments in their lives and a man who maybe hasn't figured his ish out isn't that's not a big deal I'm not <laughs> mad at you like that's your life that's your journey but I just don't I don't have the energy for it whereas mm-hmm. old Alex mm-hmm. pre-Bernie and even sometimes with Bernie whoa, oh, that's really mean but no just that girl loves so intensely that she would put their needs above her own and I'm finally in a place where knows what serious dating will look like but for that first date I was like oh it's kind of cool to be able to just like kiss someone and recognize we're probably not gonna end up together and that's okay like I still have love for you you and your journey but I'm just not interested in continuing it as a two yeah
0: that's awesome yeah it's like very it's very different right just to see how much you've changed and grown
1: yeah like that guy I'm not worrying about if that guy's gonna call right that's awesome. a first. Wow. <laughs>
0: so do you have one? I can just... I go wait, no, you Go ahead. Um, oh, I could do mine. Okay, do yours.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess mine would be... Um, so I left work this week.
1: And I... Snaps and props and snaps and props. Hey, you know. Do you, um, boo. <laughs> do you, boo. <laughs>
2: um, but I left a job... And an organization that I have come to love and love what they do and what they strive to do in the lives of kiddos. But I left it to go to something that pays really no money, and I'm stepping out in kind of response to kind of a nudging I felt. And I, you know, I think for my own thoughts and feelings, I like to think that it's in some roundabout way my aunt kind of nudging me forward to say, this is really what, in the moment, is okay to go forward and do, Mm -hmm. and whether five to ten years from now, this is really what you're still doing, we'll cross that bridge, but for now, just give the drive, and I kind of, I think when she passed away, like, that really left of, I don't really want to do this anymore. I have no one who really understands what this Mm -hmm. is like, and Mm -hmm. no one who's really willing to, I mean, granted, I know tons of nurses, I mean, we've all been touched by nurses, and so I think it's you know, you know, those, there are nurses, but there's no one who can replace that person. And mm. I think it was just coming to terms with, wow, she's she's still prompting me to follow those things that I told her over a bowl of kicks, you know, 10 years <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah. That's okay to still follow. And if no one else holds that dearer than I do, then that's okay. And if mm. I, you know, that's
0: okay just as long as I just keep going after it. So. Cool. That's awesome. Mine's, like, a little, I don't know, kind of a bummer, just, like, Debbie Downer cam right now. But I've been, like, really hard on myself over the past two weeks, and a lot of it is just, like, feeling really uncomfortable in my skin and just kind of feeling like, oh, I have, like, some extra pounds on that probably no one else can notice, but, like, I really feel it and, like, just kind of, like, being really mean to myself when I look in the mirror and kind of just at all moments. And so just kind of having, like, a moment yesterday as like I was leaving it was like really like slight but when I was going through airport security on my flight a guy had just said hey I really like your jacket and it was just kind of like a little like nudge of just like <sighs> like I just had this like whole it, like spiraled into this whole kind of like meditative state of being like why am I being so hard on myself like I feel like that's not a reflection of I guess like how I want to be seen and like how I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just kind of remembering the way that Dell thought I was like the most beautiful girl in the world and it didn't matter like if I was like ten pounds lighter or heavier, like he just was like literally just thought like the sun shine on my ass
1: and <laughs> <laughs> That's true though. <love. laughs> yeah, like, that should go into Valentine's Day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my God. Side business. Um, yeah,
0: and, but just kind of like having the nudge of like like I don't know like be gentle on yourself like I don't know kind of like yeah. you're doing great right and yeah. it was just kind of like a little like I have been like very very aware of how harsh I've been on myself and like my mom has been especially like can like watch how you talk to yourself like you're being so mean and blah 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 And I think that, like, you know, I do it when I'm under a particular stress and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And when I'm not in, like, this, like, happy space all the time, like, when I'm happier, I don't care as much. But I'm just kind of this, like, little nudge of being, like, God, I should, like, first love myself. And then, like, look toward, you know, friends and family or sniffing others to, like, tell me that. Yeah. And, like, realizing Mm -hmm. that my body is actually, like, amazing because I'm healthy and, you know. That's, I
1: think the overall theme of all of ours <laughs> is see yourself how that person saw you.
0: Absolutely. Mm. That's oh, a really good one. Yeah.
1: That's really good. The sun sh- <laughs> The sun shining <laughs> out of our asses. On a t shirt somewhere.
0: That's when you can how you
1: saw you. Um <laughs> Seriously, Stephanie, I just am so thankful that you came by today and sorry for the crazy start, but you reeled us in, we got there. I just I think immediately when she walked in the door I like felt like we were friends already. And so I did too. So was, I think mutual. I'm very, very thankful for you and for sharing. I'm not kidding, I've learned a lot today and I am I just feel really honored that you shared your story with us. So thank you.
0: yeah of course thank you for me i just adore you but also like you know i am very like inspired by the way that you are following your heart and those little nudges that like tell you to quit something that seems like you know it's still like working but it's not completely right so yeah, Yeah. it's inspiring so thanks thank you for being on our little show well thanks guys
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right guys if you
0: want to um Get in touch with us. You can follow us on Facebook at Alex and Cam, Instagram, Pinterest, all that good stuff. Um, If you want to sign up for our weekly newsletter for all of our podcast information and any updates we have, you can sign up on our website at www.alexandcam.com. Feel free to get in touch with Steph if you have any questions or comments or any love that you want to send her away. Feel free to message us on Facebook, and we will pass it along to her.
1: And uh, guys, I haven't been very good about pressuring you to do this because I don't believe in pressuring, but now I'm doing it. Peer pressure. Rate and review and subscribe. Please. Here's the thing. Mofos. It's it's just – <laughs> no, you're not mofos. You're really beautiful people. It's just that one little bump that, like, makes all the difference in the world about who's going to hear what we have to say. And this may not be a conversation that that many people want to have – somewhere out there someone is dealing with something and they need to hear these stories and it would just be so wonderful even if it's just a quick little you guys rock I'd I'd dig it Um, so yeah (laughs) head over to iTunes follow us subscribe and if you feel inclined it would be very much appreciated leave us a a little rate and review and uh, thanks for visiting with us this week and uh, we'll catch you next time bye Bye, guys. guys